As taxpayers, we have a right to know what policies our dollars support and how effective they are. Politicians and public agencies like to tell us how well their plans worked out. They want to tell us how many people were helped by a new program, how many new jobs they created, and how much money was saved because of their choices. But where do those numbers come from, and how do we know they're credible? Today, public agencies are under pressure to collect and interpret data that reveals exactly what happened when a policy was implemented. To explain how this is changing public policy and help us understand the truth behind public data, I am joined by Andres Arcilla. Andres is a senior research data scientist with BeerTech, a division of AB InBev, where he develops demand estimations and economic forecasts in the brewing industry. He also holds a PhD from Waterloo, specializing in policy evaluation and applied economics. This fall, Andres will return to Waterloo to teach a data analytics certificate program for public servants offered through Wattspeed. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for receiving me. Yeah, uh, well, it's great to have you here. And I want to start with um, some of what I was saying in the intro. I'm, I'm sure that we've all seen or heard announcements about past policy interventions before where, you know, a politician might come on the news and provide how many people were helped or they'll give a certain amount of money that was saved because of a, a new policy. Where have those numbers come from in the past? And do they actually indicate whether the policies were successful or not? Yeah, so they usually would come from a, analyzing very descriptive uh, statistics that will uh, analyze trends between different variables. And some of them will come from single regression techniques that probably will leave out important analysis. So it's, it's, it's difficult to say that uh, the, the outcome that we saw in a, in a policy were directly affected by, by, by the actual policy. But don't get me wrong, right? The people and researchers, they did the best that they could, they could do with the data that they have. Uh, the most challenging part uh, of analyzing any policy is the availability of good data. But that's changing right now. And uh, with uh, po public agencies are much better now at collecting data and analyzing them and also uh, analyzing and collecting information from their own policy interventions. And not only that, uh, nowadays, everyone or most of the population owns a smartphone on any sort of wearable device. And that allows us to generate data and record data every second. And the fact that we can use that data uh, in policy intervention, uh, in policy analysis, is, is very exciting. For example, there, there is a recent study from New Waterloo researchers that use Google mobility data to identify the effectiveness of the restriction policies during the, co during the COVID-19 pandemic on the number of COVID cases in, in, in Ontario. And this is very exciting because this mobility, this Google mobility data has been there. It has been used in a different uh, setting. They were used on identifying what is the best place to open a new restaurant or the best place to open a new store. But the fact that we are using now that information to uncover and answer these difficult and challenging questions is very exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. And uh, such a great point about smartphones and how much data they can collect. So it sounds like in the past, we've, we've kind of grappled with um, this assumption that uh, a correlation between two data sets means we can say 
that one thing caused another to happen. Um, and it sounds like this is improving with more data coming in, but maybe you can just take us back to, to the fundamentals here and explain what's the difference between the correlation that we might see in a data set and causation. That's a very important question. And I, I'm glad that you bring it up because this is something that I, I tell my students always to, to make that differentiation. So correlation in general refers to the degree to which a pair of variables are related. For example, if both variables move together in, in any direction, whereas causation refers to the influence by which one variable contributes to the production of the other one. For example, movement of one variable implies movement on the other, or one variable precedes the other. So there is this old mantra that says that correlation is not causation, and I can give you a lot of examples uh, when, when this is not true. And one of that is a very funny one, actually. Um, a couple of years ago, um, there is this a, a soccer player called Aaron Ramsey. So Aaron Ramsey uh, became famous online uh, because every time that he would score a, a, a goal, someone famous will die within the next two to three days. And, and, and it's very, 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 very strange to see that because obviously those, those two variables are completely unrelated. But if you go and calculate the correlation, you'll go and look the trends of those two variables, you will say, oh, something's happening here, right? But obviously that is not true. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not that a correlation is a bad thing, right? A correlation in general carries a lot of information about a causal relationship between two variables. Uh, a, a one really good example about it is it, it comes from economic geography. So researchers have been using a satellite information in order to identify what is the, the degree of development of a region. And the way that they do that is by looking at the intensity in the lightning uh, in, a, in, a, in a map, in a satellite map. And it happens to be that that intensity, uh, that light intensity in, 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 in that map is related with how much power is consumed into that, in, in that region. And that power consumption is related somehow with, the, the, with the, how developed is that area. So, so there are obviously cases where correlation is not causation, but correlation many times say a lot of, about causation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I, I love those examples, especially the first one. Uh, it's great to get a very ridiculous example <laughs> to explain to explain that. When we first spoke, Andres, I mentioned that I was somewhat familiar with this concept because of my background in marketing. So when I've written things before, you know, when essentially I'm trying to sell something, or you know, when a politician wants to win an election. You want to tell a story to your audience about your work or the product that you're trying to sell. But if you don't have the statistical background, it's really easy to tell an inaccurate story with the numbers that you have. And this is exactly what you're trying to tackle with a new certificate program through Wattspeed. It's called Data Analytics for Behavioral Insights. Can you tell me more about the program and what public servants or other professionals could expect to learn from yeah, it? Yeah, so this program is a three-course certificate where students will learn all the basic necessary statistical methodologies for policy evaluation and how to implement those uh, analyses. 
the first course course uh, covers all the basics, the statistical uh, theory. The second course is a coding class on how to implement those statistical methodologies in two of the most important and popular uh, statistical software, Python and R. And the third course is a more advanced, uh, a more advanced uh, class where we teach advanced statistical methods to uncover causal effects on what different type of uh, methods should uh, the individual or the student use for different type of data. But not uh, this is obviously not only targeted for policymakers. It can be uh, taken for any business, any professional that uh, wants to work with data. So any business professional that wants to learn how to use science to take better and informed decisions should take this, this course. So we teach them how to leverage the information that the companies already own. So nowadays, many companies either are developing a data science team or has a team or has tons of data and they want to use this, da this data to take these better informed decisions. So with this course, we will teach the student or we, we, the student will gather the, the, the necessary skills in order to, to, to answer that. You mentioned, for example, that, that you have a, market, a marketing uh, background, right? Uh, with the methodologies that we teach here, we can uh, you can go and answer questions whether did uh, that say that uh, did the last marketing campaign achieve the goal that I wanted did, did, did this new marketing campaign increase our volume sales etc so all those questions that are obviously a causal a causality their causality questions they all can be answered with the methodologies that you can uh, that the students will learn here. Oh yeah, that's great. And uh, I think you're a really great instructor um, for the certificate program because you obviously have this background in policy um, and you've done a lot of research in that area, but now you work for a, a private company and you work in, in the brewing industry and use data to um, help, help um, your companies make decisions. So that's pretty cool. Um, so, I mean, getting back to, to public agencies, um, it, a course like this is really great for people working in public policy, but I think, you know, as just like citizens, we're bombarded with, um, with data and information every day, uh, uh in, in the media, we hear all these database stories. Do you have any tips for people when they come across an exciting headline, or maybe they hear a public figure making a bold claim uh, about a new policy intervention? Are there certain things that maybe we can look out for, or questions that we can ask to be more aware of what's actually going on? Yeah, this is a very hard question to answer. Um, the, 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 <laughs> the best thing that I can tell you is that always look at the story behind the statistic, the story behind the data. So what is the mechanism for which the individual who's making this claim can assert that it's a causality? And as you mentioned, it is very easy to lie or disguise with the statistics. And we saw this a lot during the peak of the pandemic, right? Every day we were um, fed with statistics, number of cases, number of deaths, number of hospitalizations, etc. And many people were using that data in order to come with their own stories or their own conclusions about how we should handle the, the pandemic, what policy we should implement, what policy we should not implement, right? So it's, it's very difficult to answer the question. But what I will tell you is that always look at the relationship, the story behind the data. 
obviously the best way, like the best way is go and read. If, if the data comes from one study is go and read this study. But it's hard, right? Because in order to understand these very complicated studies, you have to have a, a set of tools that would allow you to understand the, the, the conclusion from this study. But as a general public, there is nothing better than a good story behind the data in order to understand. So if the story makes sense, if the, the data is consistent with the story, then you could be certain that uh, you can identify some causal relationship between them. Yeah, uh, that's that's really great. And uh, thank you for answering a very complicated question. <laughs> uh, I understand that that one uh, can be a little bit tricky. Andres, this has been fantastic uh, to learn and talk to you today. Thank you so much for sharing some of your knowledge and some of the information about this new certificate well, program. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, follow, rate, subscribe, whatever your podcast player lets you do. And hey, if you want to learn more from Andres, check out the Data Analytics for Behavioral Insights program. The first course begins in October 2023, and there is still time to register. Just follow the link in this episode description to learn more. Alumni Know is produced and hosted by me, Meg Vanderwood. Aju Chow is our editor. Aju and I are both alumni and staff at the University of Waterloo.